Powered by Go Goat Sports in partnership with TSN. It is episode 62, season four of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. Hey, I recognize that room. Ray Ferraro is back home. Man, it's been a while. Must have been nice walking in the front door. It was. As you know, Dregs, being the dog lover, you are. I uh, I came oh, home. Nobody was home. excited. Oh, Ollie, come, <laughs> Ollie sits. Riley, our 16-year-old, his bedroom overlooks kind of the driveway. And Ollie always sits up in the window. I, you know, he's guarding the property or whatever <laughs> he does. And as soon as I came in, I see him. So I yell to him and he kind of jolts up and he comes flying down the stairs. Man, it's the best. I just, so yeah. I was home and then we had, had family dinner last night. So I saw all the boys and all four of them were home, nice. and, which is kind of nice. And the grandkids and yeah, loud and chaotic and had the Leafs game on in the background and, and then uh, off to Dallas and Seattle. So just a really, really nice to be home. Yeah. Well, the playoffs are a little wild and chaotic, as you well know, as Oof. well as you get set for the second round. Let's dive into our headlines, Ray, presented by our good friends at Tim Hortons. Hi, it's Ray Ferraro. You've probably heard me talking about my friends at North Beach Agency and Craft Growth. They provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes. From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out-of-home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. And you mentioned the Leafs, Ray. So the Toronto Maple Leafs have a beautiful start to game two. Jump out to the early lead, followed by a horrendous, inexplicably bad second period and a 66-second sequence that did them in. So take us into the psyche of a player, or in this case, a collection of players, because you can't pin it on one guy. As much as everybody seems to be trying to. Trying to, correct. It's not. So how do you shift? How do you have such a, a really strong start in a good first period and then just push it off the rails throughout, not just the start, but throughout that second period? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by saying this line that gets said over and over again that just drives me crazy because it's not possible. And that's, we have to, we have to dominate or we have to control a 60-minute game. You're not going to do it. Never happens, mm-hmm. has never happened in the history of hockey that you control all 60 minutes. It just doesn't matter. The, or it's just not possible. What does matter is the time when you don't, you don't shoot yourself in the foot. Like you're going to have some wobbles and you're going to give up a goal. That's why, you know, the, the best teams have four or five shutouts per year. They don't have 26. It's just, it's right. too hard. So you give up a goal. Well, then you can't give up another one, right? Like in, you have to be able to, the best teams are able to put a stop to the other team's momentum. You know, they, mm-hmm. like, so Florida gets that first goal and the only thing that matters is the next three or four minutes that nothing happens. You don't have, you're up to one. You don't have to answer the goal. You don't have to get momentum back. You have to kill Florida's momentum. And that means for the next three or four minutes, which is one rotation through the lines, is you get the puck forward. Unless I'm looking right at you to make a pass, you chip it forward, mm-hmm. you forecheck, you neutral zone forecheck, you kill the play, you get it back, you push it up the boards. Pretty soon, the energy in the building changes, both home and road. 
And all the Leafs did yesterday was turn a little bit of a brush fire into a forest fire. In that moment, that, that second goal should never happen in the way it happens. Now, sometimes the other team's going to make a great play. And now you've got a body blow and a body blow and you've got to withstand it, right? You give up two and hey, that's the way it goes. The Leafs just wilted. And they, so Florida, I, Paul Maurice was talking about it after, I, I think, it, is it five games in eight days they played or something like that? They're, yes, yeah. So they don't have great legs anyway. They're not going to have the energy to play the game they need to play. But you gave them a free out. You gave them a get out of jail free card. And that's like the old Leafs that we, you know, we've all, we've said for a long time this year, it just feels yeah. different. That didn't feel different. And even in the third period, Drake's when the game's three, two, what I kept looking at was this is absolute mayhem all over the place. That is yeah. not a mature approach to a playoff game. I was in Carolina the other night for game one. They got up on New Jersey and New Jersey had played a lot of hockey, kind of the same as Florida and Carolina just, they played like robots. It was clinical, unbelievable. Jersey so fast. They had nowhere to go. Toronto hits a crossbar. Florida hits a post. Toronto gets three chances. Florida gets two chances. Yeah. Samsonoff made that one save. Riley fell over top of him. He's doing a spread angle. Snow Angel somehow we stops the puck. I'm not talking about the chances they generated and were unlucky that they didn't finish, but the scope of the game had no, I hate this. It had no structure to it. It was like their skill was either going to get them a goal or it wasn't going to happen. And man, they had, I don't know, did they have six, seven great chances? I mean, the puck could have and maybe should have gone in, but it didn't, but they let Florida back in the game where if they just shut that down after that first goal against, like, I know what I'm going to back up just a second. I know a lot of people drags are staring at that, the Matthews turnover right on the, on the goal. Yeah. Yeah. With Marner. Yeah. Well, I, I was just going to say, I hope it's with Marner. There is zero chance that pass should be made. Marner like skated out or, or, or flip it, chip it off the, the boards. Marner's yeah. too good to make that pass. Like he's too smart. To make that yeah. pass. That was a soft play into an area of the ice where there's probably going to be people. And once it's turned over, well, then it's, it's, you know, all every, everything's off the board. It's like, it's a free for all on a turnover in a rush. And, mm. um, I, I mean, I think the goalie's been more like Samson has been more than fine. I agree. They, they just let, they keep letting Florida off the hook. I'm telling, I don't want to keep my whole life exposed you know, comparing it to the 93 team, but <laughs> Pittsburgh didn't respect us. Right. They didn't. They kept letting us off the hook. We should have been buried out of that series. They fell asleep the first game we won. They blew us out in game two. Then pretty soon the series is 2-2. Like that shouldn't mm -hmm. have happened. And now you got to win four out of five and you got, you know, three of the games are in, or, or yeah, three of the games are in Florida. Oh, by the way, where are the Leafs fans bitching about the two days off now? Oh, they're not. It's kind of a good no, thing now. They're not. It's kind of a good no, thing. It, that it is, but I, I think it still favors Florida because of what you said earlier. And, and Maurice acknowledged it. This is a team that's playing on fumes based on the amount. And Sergei Brabovsky is relatively fresh. 
right? He doesn't have the same workload as the rest of the group. So he comes in razor sharp in the first two games of this series. Now the Florida players get a couple of days to, you know, reset and recharge. So they're going to be super motivated. Well, doesn't that tell you game three's it, right? Game three's it. Yeah. Like it's, a, I agree. Is, yeah. You know, there, there might not be, there might not be a water bottle safe. Florida wins the game three. <laughs> You're referencing Kyle Dubas yeah. fire in the water bottle. That's outstanding. But those guys, um, they, they can't do any, they scratch their ear and those guys are on camera, right? Like that would annoy me so much. And back in the day, early days of, of broadcast TV, I mean, the general manager would say to the producer, don't. I don't want any ISOs of me. Leave me alone. Don't yeah. point the camera at me. And you'd respect it, right? You were a good partner. You wouldn't do it. Now they have no say. They have no say. Like, do you think Sheldon Keefe likes being on camera after every penalty call or almost every whistle? No coach does, but that's part of the drama. Part of, part of the thing now. Hey, quick thought on Sam Bennett. I mean, this guy's just a nasty bit of business, isn't he? Yeah. You know, I, I call him sneaky dirty and... I don't mean that to be derogatory. I'm sure he wears it as a badge of honor because he hits like a truck. You know, he's hard on the forecheck. He can generate offense. But specific to game two, he had two situations. One where he hits Matthew Nice behind the net pretty hard into the glass and into the boards, goes down, rides him down into the ice. And that was not that long after Nice had been hit high by Matthew Kachuk. So could have been cumulative. Probably. Is it concussion related? They're not going to specify. I believe it is. So you hope for the best, but it takes an impactful player out of a lineup for the Maple Leafs. And then you fast forward later in the game where you've got the battle in front between Hassam Bennett and Michael Bunting. And Bennett cross checks Bunting in the neck, and, you know, Bunting goes down and he's holding his neck. And there's a big, you know, kerfluffle about that post game, including Sheldon Keefe, you know, basically saying, hey, our guy, Austin Matthews, got suspended two games for something very similar on Rasmus Dahlin during the winter class. This isn't, none of that was suspendable to me. For me, if you want to find him for the cross check, I guess that's that's what you do. But right. how about you? Does this get to the level of supplemental discipline? Oh, I, I think at the most, it's a fine. The yeah. first play is probably happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm doing the game at Jersey the other night. I don't know, within the first two and a half minutes, both benches were screaming about a horrific penalty call. Like, like it's the same in every game is my point. Right. Right. Like there's, it's impossible to get it all right. Every team is aggrieved, you know, terribly in each and every game. Mm -hmm. It just happens to be if it's on you or not. The cross check to me is, is a fine for sure. The difference I would say, whether we all, you have to flip that around. If you're a Leaf fan that is, or management that's completely outraged by that play, you have to look at yeah. that, that that's a player of similar worth on your team, cross-checking one of your players. Would you say that's a suspension? And they would say in the playoffs, no, it's a fine. Right. The Matthews cross-check on Darlene was more retaliatory and more premeditated because Matthews had a mm-hmm. moment to think about it. And to me, that's why that was more suspendable than this. Just to try and compare the two plays. But to me, it's a fine and, and no more. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll tell you, that Florida Panther team turned like that 
in game two uh, against Boston when Sam Bennett came back in the lineup. They'd missed him for 14 games down the stretch. And, you know, they were, you just looked at their lineup and it was like, hey, you know, like they're missing something. And, you know, and yeah. then Bennett came back and him and Kachuk are, they're, they're quite a pair together. That's for sure. No kidding. All right. Well, we'll have plenty of time to look forward to game three of the Leafs and the Florida Panthers. Want to rewind a little bit here just because of the spectacle of the two games. You know, it starts with Joe Pavelski of the Dallas Stars and a four-goal performance. And then it's followed up with Leon Dreisaitl and a four-goal performance in, in a losing effort. And there's some history with you, my friend. Yeah, I right? feel sorry for Dating those guys. Back to they, 93. I feel sorry for those guys. I mean, what brilliant performances, Drake's. Like, what amazing performances <laughs> by, by one individual trying to single-handedly drag his team into a game. Yeah, well... You remember oh, what was the what was the year you were talking about? Ninety three, yeah. Do you have a little time? Um, <laughs> it is it is crazy when a night like that happens that the yeah. puck keeps coming to you. Like as you as I thought about, like you know, we lost six four to Washington. Ally Afraidy had a hat trick that night for for Washington, and it was six four. We were down like five one in the third, and I got three mm-hmm. in the third to make it five four. Like every time I turned around, I'm in the slot and the puck just, oh, would you look at this? I should shoot it in the net. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> and one of my favorite highlights is I get the fourth one and it's a goofy rebound and I shoot it. It goes right through Dom Beaupre in the net and he turns around and smashes his stick over the crossbar. When I saw the highlight of that, it was just like, you know, you can see like all our team is like, nah, we've scored and his stick is in 43 pieces. But for Pavelski to come, I identify with Joe more than Leon. I mean, like Leon plays a game that, I mean, not many people can play. It's just remarkable yeah. what he does. The goal, the creativity to bank it off of Brassois is one thing. The way he shoots, just, I love it. I just, Dreisaitl's so, such an amazing player. But I identify with Joe. He's not big enough. He's not fast enough. You know, he's, you wouldn't say he's always a rough and tumble player, but I don't know that there's many people that have ever deflected the puck better than him. Certainly not in, in the last 30 years. I, I don't. And how hard he works at it, right? He practices it all the time. So I'm doing the Carolina game the other day. Brent Burns shot half a dozen pucks through the slot, looking for that high tip. In San Jose, Pavelski had his stick on every one of them. It was like those two guys were like, they were connected. It was so cool to watch. And so. Two of the tips that Joe had in his game were chest high. Like that's almost impossible to do because your stick is in the wrong angle. Yeah, and yeah. He made them both. And what a great, great couple of nights for those guys. So fun to watch those, those players play. So we talked a bit about the, the Canes and the New Jersey Devils series. Let's visit in on the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. And and this for me is a pick'em series now. And I, I guess that seems pretty obvious based on how it started. Uh I don't think anybody would have projected though that Edmonton was going to roll over Vegas, I don't think. So Oh, I you know, don't just, think so. Did anybody did anyone no. think that I I, I picked Edmonton, I, but I think yeah. long, long series. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, you know what, Drake? You know, what really surprised me is or really stood out is I think the way to say it is the difference of the way the goals all went in. So mm-hmm. Vegas had those, those two clumps of two goals really quickly, both in the first and the third period. And we talked earlier about the Leafs. You give up one, 
you've got to stomp yeah. out the momentum of the other. And it might be a little harder on the road than at home. The Leafs were at home. Edmonton was on the road, but Vegas got one and boom, they got another. And, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about players that are sneaky dirty and say it in a positive way. You know who else fits in that is Mark Stone. Oh, for sure. He's always accidentally bonking somebody with his stick. He's always got like, he's, oh, I just, he's a great player. And when he came mm-hmm. back into that, that lineup for Vegas, it changed, in my opinion, changed everything for them. He is uh, like you saw you saw the series or the the video right of him leaving the ice you know, after practice or during practice wherever it was, and he labored to get to the bench, and then you saw him walk behind the bench on his way to the dressing room. And anybody who's had any back issues whatsoever, I mean, I'm watching this and I can feel the, you know the, the cramp, pain, right? Like, the cramp. Oh, yeah. like I'm like, oh my god, that must hurt. And then yeah, you know, he just. The treatment is there, you know, whatever he's doing to get himself in game shape, game readiness, he's doing, and he comes into the game and, and has an unbelievable performance. And I don't think people can appreciate how difficult that must be. Well, everything in, if you have hurt your back, everything you do becomes harder. Like you brush your teeth and you got to go get some water out of the sink and you got to bend over. Now imagine when you're bending over to skate or all the power that comes out of your low back and you know the lower half of your body if your back's wrong you don't have a lot of it and yet he's cobbled it together one of the reasons i like watching him play is he is an unmade bed from the second he comes into the rink his hair is all over the place his tie is always over here he gets on the ice he's always dropping his stick and knocking a glove off and i just love watching him play because he's (laughs) so good he's so good (laughs) And man, that'll be a tough series. Edmonton will have to clean up a little bit. Yes, um, yeah. One of the reasons being is Vegas's defense will really balance out the uncertainty they have in goal with a really good defense. And, mm-hmm. you know, Brassois will give them adequate goaltending, but he's not going to do what Brassois or what Bobrovsky's doing right now. That's no, not, no, I don't think it's at that level, but one other tip for Vegas, uh, stay out of the penalty box. Stay out of the box. Oh my yeah. God. How about that power place? Ridiculous Drake's. Oof. Uh, why don't we wrap up headlines with thought on the Norris trophy? I mean, we could go through them all, but let's just focus on the Norris for now. Eric Carlson, Adam Fox, Kale McCarr, the Norris finals. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how you can be surprised by it. I mean, we're voters. I know? voted for Haskin. I voted for Haskin and not Fox in my top three. Same. I got to think about this. I'd have to, Haskinen might be four on my list. Okay. So anyway. I, I had, I had Carlson, uh, Makar and Haskinen. Okay. I mean, Makar is on mine and pretty high as well. I didn't have Fox. Carlson, number one. Do you understand the complaining about Makar being a finalist because of the injury factor and the fact that he played fewer games? No, not I just really. think, no, no, me neither. Body of the work, isn't it? I mean, it's not like this is a new year for Kale McCarthy. Hey, Drakes, it's not like he played 42 games. Right. You know, like that, that I would have an issue with unless he had 70 points in 42 yeah, games. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't really understand it. I, I did notice when they started, I didn't notice when they released, started releasing the clumps of awards, you know, like, here is yeah. the Norris and there are the finalists and that Selkie and all that until I saw on Twitter, everybody complaining about 
who the players are. Everybody complains about their own guy. It's outrageous that this guy didn't make it. Maybe more yeah. like the people in LA are, are, you know, complaining about Kopitar and they're like, well, nobody stays Selkie. up to watch. But the three finalists for the Selkie are pretty good players or the yeah. Bing, or yeah. the Bing. They're, they're like, who got left out that people are all, oh, I think, I forget, somebody had one penalty. Well, the guys that got picked had two. It's not like they had right. 27. So this is, I put my vote in. Everybody's going to get to see it. Everybody can complain or not complain. I do the best with it that I can. And everybody's going to always side with their favorite player yeah. or their player from their locale. For sure. And, yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get the critique of Makar other than people would like their local player to be involved. Yeah. Jared Stahl, of course, was one who tweeted out his, his frustration. And, and he made the suggestion that people in the East aren't paying attention to what's going on with the LA Kings. And I, I think it was Anze Kopitar specific to the Selkie. It, it was. Um, yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess, but to your point, the finalists, in in every category are deserving of being in that category and and that level of distinction. So I said this, I think, on Sakaris and Price. What everyone should do, like if you're going to go to social media and say, well, these idiots in the East aren't paying attention. Okay, submit. You don't officially have a vote, but go through the process. Put it on social media. Tell us who your finalists would be. I mean, go through every category. It's it's not an easy project, but you and I, and I would hope everyone else who's got the privilege of voting takes it very seriously. And we do do our work and our due diligence. Well, what I hate, Dregs, about the voting process is you can generally get a couple of guys, like you don't even have to think. And then, you, you know, yeah. you're like player A, player B. And then you got a yeah. bunch of guys that are kind of all the same. And they're all at yeah. the, you're not talking about mid-range players. You're talking about the best in the league. And in some cases you're like, I can't figure out a way to separate them. I can look at advanced stance. I can look at the way that I've seen them play during the year. I know. And it still comes down and you're like, it's him or him, right? Like yeah. that. it's just, it's really, it's, what it is. it's far more difficult than I thought it was going to be when I thought it, I thought it was going to be way more fun you know, to vote. I'm, I'm kind of with you because it's like, I get there and I'm like, man, look at this. It's so hard to decide between putting these players in, in the order. Now you, there'll be some votes. I'm sure when the, all the voting's released, there'll be some, and you'll be like, how did that guy even get a vote? Like there'll always be a couple of those. Yeah. And those, are the, those so are the ones you should be most concerned with. Yes, but it's so hard because you know it matters, right? Like you want to make sure that every player who's had that type of season to be recognized gets the fair assessment and analysis of that recognition. And to your point, hey, yeah, if, if, if the ballot was eight, ten players deep, it'd be less hard. <laughs> but yeah. it's not. It's five and it's a challenge. When I, I would say this people. last thing for me drags on this is I take great pride in seeing so if the finalists are the ones I have. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's what I, I like. I'm like, okay, other people are seeing this in the same way. Right. And I, and I like that. Those are your headlines. Thank you to Tim Hortons. All right, time to check in with Chris Abbott, a presentation of Botano.ca, now available in Ontario. And remember, Botano reminds us the game starts now. And uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fans are pretty anxious 
uh, looking ahead to game three after game two. The Leafs were a Stanley Cup favorite, were they not? Among the top teams going into round two, Abs, where are they now? Last time we spoke, they were the Stanley Cup favorite. Now they are just slightly ahead of the Seattle Kraken to win the Wasn't Stanley that Cup. Three they days completely ago? Three days ago. Too yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Things change yes, fast. Do. And and because, you know, when you look at the Stanley Cup odds during the year, it was Boston, it was Colorado, it was Toronto. And now two of them cannot win. And one is in a very precarious position. So now you've got all these other teams who were a little longer shots all year. Yeah. Carolina, Florida, Vegas, Edmonton, even Dallas are all kind of right around the same number, plus 450, plus 550 for all of those. So, yeah, the, the, the guy with the yellow jersey fell off the cliff in, in, the, in the hilly uh, uh, parts of the Tour de France, and now you've got the Peloton just fighting it out. And it's, it's really interesting. It, doesn't that speak a little bit about the, you know, the league always talks about their want of parity? And I, I guess the odds tell us, by by what you you're stating right here is that's parity is there's nobody there's no super team there's nobody that's, that's well what it is the super team is Boston and well clearly yeah. they're not a super team yeah so I mean you you've got your parity so now is this what you want or do you want the front runner glitzy lights these are the best guys ever running out front to market so this might be a little bit of a referendum on parity here okay so what what, what in other sports apps, what does action tell us? Like, what is the what does the betting action tell us? Do do fans like a clear favorite, or do they like this better? I don't know. I think the general fan likes a, likes a bit of a clear favorite. Like, you know, the casual fan loves to bet on Man City, loves to bet on the Leafs, loves to bet on the you know the Kansas City Chiefs. That's where you you know th- big UFC in New Jersey this weekend. People like to see the big dime stars. So, you know, there's, I think there's an argument to be made. I think as a league and sustainability and keeping your, all your franchises and fan bases engaged, I mean, parity right. is the only way to go. But I mean, there's parity in the NFL. Like, there's a couple of teams that are front runners, mm-hmm. but, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles were terrible a year ago. Yeah. And then last year they go to the, to the Super Bowl. So, you know, it's uh, obviously parity, I think, is, is what everybody wants. But there might be an argument to be made for, you know, the, the same big teams getting all the, all the activity. So, Look, Toronto is is a very strong team. They haven't shown that in the first two games against the Florida Panthers. But because of, of how good we think Toronto is, even though history tells us that now I think the Leafs have a 13% chance of winning this series after losing the first two, wouldn't that be a smart bet to put a little money on the Maple Leafs? Obviously clawing back, even though 13% doesn't give you a whole lot of comfort. Well, I think what we've seen through the first two games is is they have the ability to be the better team for long stretches. Yeah. Um, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky is looking like the Bobrovsky of old. Yeah. And, you know, there's it's not like they were blowout games. They're both really close games. So, yeah, I would think there's there's a chance to get in on the Leafs now. But, you know, they're still a favorite for the game in yeah. game three, like yeah. minus 125. You know, they're a better than two to one underdog for the series. I think if you're looking at any other team down two games at home, they're they're more than a two to one underdog in the series. So I think you have to get your calculator out to figure out if that's a good play to bet on the Leafs. Yeah. But I mean, you know, looking at it, knowing what they need to do, knowing they're they're quite capable of doing so, it might be a chance to make some money on them. Listen, more than one team has fallen down two nothing and, and come back, but thirteen percent dregs. Not very. I don't like that. If I'm going, if <laughs> if I've got a sixteen against a face card, and you tell me I got a thirteen percent <laughs> chance of staying alive, 
I'm still a little gun shy scra- scraping the felt. Well, there. I'll tell you this. One thing that does we have seen in the first round, seven of the eight teams that won trailed in the series at one point. Yeah. So it's it's not like it used to be. So so you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. There's a chance. And road teams, road teams have done extremely well. Uh, Obviously, 30, the whole thing. 33 wins out of 53. Now, yeah. 33 out of 53 after after Dallas's win, you know, the the Dallas. How do you explain win. that, Ray? Like what? Like, is it creature comforts? I mean, I, I think it's easier to honestly, Drake's. I think it's a couple things. I think it's easier to play on the road now than it's ever been in the NHL. Uh, first of all, the rinks are all the same size. Right. I think that, I think so. There's no you're going into some old place that is an odd shape. That's number one. Number two is you do feel more comfortable because some of the rinks were literal rat traps, like they were awful, and the visitor side was gross. And they made it that way on purpose. And now you can't, you can't do that anymore. And the third thing, and I think this is really, I think it's really important is intimidation plays less a part in the game today than, than it ever did. Like you'd go in there and I'm telling, I don't care what anybody said. You could be as excited as you want, but to go into Boston or to Philly, you are less than excited. (laughs) they're, They're just, there's everybody can, we can all talk about how tough we all were back in the day, but. You'd go in there and huh. Philly'd have those knuckle draggers skating around the red line and warm up and you'd be like, oh damn, yeah. this is, this is no. So that, that, yeah. I think all those factors play into that. Mm, excellent. Draft lottery on Monday, Abs. Um, how much action can there be around the first pick overall? I mean, we know it's Connor Bedard. So, you know, is the action more along the draft odds i mean the draft odds are what they are established by the national hockey league so how does botano.ca kind of get involved in this yeah i mean we'll offer it and and like you said i mean it's legitimately what we do is is weight odds based on probability and that's exactly what the draft lottery is right so yeah you can go in and bet and and it's probably more of a fan thing like hey i'm going to take my team but even look here's the thing the anaheim ducks are are the favorite they'll have the most balls or or most opportunities or whatever and they're plus 360 to win the draft lottery so i mean for the favorite of something where you know you know what it is to to be that high uh, but then again it's it's literally done on the probability so that's more of a fan thing one of the ones that catches my eye though is you know this might be a little more interesting you can bet anaheim columbus or chicago to win the lottery or any other team and it's a bit of a coin flip oh. odds so that one might be a little you know that's that's very much over under on the anthem at the super bowl that's very <laughs> much you know heads or tails at the super bowl but, but yeah if you want a little bit of a sweat before the draft lottery kicks off <laughs> you can get it I like it. That's good stuff. All right. I know you're on the road this weekend, Chris Abbott. So enjoy some downtime and we'll check back next week. Yeah. Big industry conference in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey this week at the Meadowlands. So yeah, looking forward to it and might try and sneak into the UFC at the Prudential Center tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Tickets are not cheap though, fellas. Good card. I don't know who. I haven't checked. Yeah, it actually is a really good card. Yeah. I haven't been following UFC as much these days, yeah. but there's a lot of names on there that I know, and I've always wanted to see one. So good we'll for see. you. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Have a good weekend. Okay, take care, guys. All right. Time for Ask Ray and Dregs Anything. Oh, what you do you got today, Dregs? What do you got today? Ah, we've got some interesting ones. Fire us your questions on Twitter, Instagram, at Ray and Dregs, or on the website, rayandregs.com. 
We're going to award a question asker, maybe a couple. We'll see how things go with some Ray and Driggs merch. Just arrived some real nice hats. Compliments of Chris Abbott and Botano.ca. So thank you for that. We're going to start with a question from Peter, Ray. Just wondering why more players don't use the old J.C. Tremblay flip shot from center ice toward the goalie instead of just dumping it in. The weird bounces were good for the occasional goal. I'm on with Peter on this, but we do see the flip as a tactic. And we see it a lot, in fact, in the playoffs, right? I, Just I as think part of a transition it, play. Yeah, I think. Yeah, sorry, Dregs, I should. Uh, I think I see it more from the defensive zone into the neutral zone where it right. gets flipped yep. out and turned into a foot race. And in the past, they would just interfere with the forward and now you can't do it. And yep. so it's a scramble. But as far as flipping it in on net, which I believe is is what Peter's talking about. Yeah. It's, it does, it's not a terrible play, but to make that flip, you've got to have enough time to scoop it and flip it. I think a lot of players probably feel like they don't have that time, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get it and scoop it. JC had more time back in the day to, to do that. The one play yeah. I, I can't believe players still do is as they're changing and they're, you know, everybody's coming up the ice and you can tell, you know, it's slowed down and the player slowly shoots it into the zone to turnover. Yeah, that's right. Like why, why do they do that? Why don't they, if you know, everybody's up behind you, you know, like everybody's heading, you know, on those plays, you can tell the whole rink is changing. Why not loop it back to your end? Yeah. yeah and have one sense. guy set up shop behind your net and just keep control of the puck instead of just passing it to the goalie who they can all get out and stop it. Now it's a turnover to me. I think Peter's getting a cap. All right. Twitter. Jason, what is the most memorable playoff moment you guys have been involved in? And and maybe we talked about it earlier in the pod for you, Ray, the four-goal game in 93? Or Um, is there another play? Well, that would be second. Yeah. The first would be uh, game seven of the next series against Pittsburgh. When uh, there's just, you know, when Dreisaitl said, no, there's no satisfaction to scoring the four goals. He's about 99% true. There is a part of you that you're like, man, that was a great night. You know, like yeah. there just is. Yeah. But the playoffs are, it's really hard to describe the difference of the feeling of a loss and a win. Mm-hmm. And when we won in game seven and the thing I will never forget is, you know, cause I was on the left and seeing the puck come from the right and hitting the net behind Barrasso from David Volick. I'll remember that. And the second part is as we were in the huddle, you know, like everybody jumping on David in the corner, I could hear Glenn Healy. I couldn't see him, but I could hear him coming from the other end of the ice. The rink was so quiet, like the, the joy and elation we felt to me was summed up <laughs> in that I could hear heels from 150 feet away. Like the rink was that wow. quiet. It was amazing. That was, to me, that was the greatest playoff thing I ever saw. As far as a broadcaster, Patrick Kane's game-winning goal in Philadelphia, which nobody had a clue but him that was in the net. No. And was just, remember, Dregs, we were walking out to do our hits after, and there were fans fans yelling as, did that really go in? I know. And we're like, geez, I I hope so. Because we're going to do the post-game hit, and they just awarded the cup. Yeah. My Hawks Stanley Cup memories are kind of probably crossing over. So I'm not sure which one it was, but a moment for me, and, and look, I, I don't have anything that's going to compare to the experiences of you or players, 
But in the post-game celebrations, you know, when they started allowing media onto the ice. Right. So Christopher Stieg, who's then with the Chicago Blackhawks, gets the Stanley Cup. And my job as the interviewer on the ice is to get there as quickly as possible and get these guys in the moment. And I just ask him whatever question. And he starts talking and he looks at me. He goes, I just love you, man. And he kisses me on the side of the face. Like it's just so, such pure relief. It speaks to exactly what your experience was. Just like, just like soul. You've won. Out it's there. Yeah. the best. Just ultimate elation and relief. All right. Uh, Gary Nason. Do you see any scenario where the team who wins the Connor Bedard lottery might be willing to trade it away? No. And if so, would it? What would it take to make it? It's an impossible question to answer because it's just not going to happen. So to to try and establish what it would take, this is going to sound absurd. It would take the Toronto Maple Leafs, Ray, getting swept by the Florida Panthers, okay. and. The Maple Leafs go on, well, we don't want to play a pay Austin Matthews 13 and a half, 14 and a half million per year. We've got a rejig here. Arizona wins a draft lottery and they trade the first pick overall to the Leafs. For, I mean, that's how absurd. That's okay. how ridiculous you know what else? it would be. You know what else is absurd about that? You thought about it. I know. I've given it some thought. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's absurd. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Thanks for the question, but we're not taking the bait on that one. Last one, and this is a family-related question from Joey B. With all the food talk that Ray does, and I don't know, do we talk a lot about food? We talk a little bit about food. I don't know. We talk a lot about food. What's his favorite food Nana used to make? Has he ever considered publishing a Ray Ferraro's Nana's cookbook? Okay, I'll start with the second part of that. So, as my Nana got got older, my mom's sister, Auntie Norma, one of the great women that I've ever met. She is, she is, uh, she's the sweetest lady. She is funny and smart and caring. Like she's just an amazing, amazing person. She sat down with Nona and has, we have a book that they wrote and it's probably, I don't know, 40 pages long, um, eight, eight by 10. And it's Nona's life story. And a lot of the stuff that we read in this book when we first read it, we're all crying because we never knew. She never told us. Like, this was not an easy life that Nona had coming to Canada from Italy, not speaking a word of English. Her husband dying when my mom was 11, the oldest child. She had to raise four kids by herself. Amazing story. Just amazing yeah, woman. Yeah. At the end is Nona's favorite recipes. Oh, there it is. It is amazing. Here's the thing. Any of us that have tried to cook those recipes, nothing tastes the same. It doesn't take, it's not even close. And part of the reason is Auntie Norma would always tell us is because she'd get the measurements. My Nona never measured anything and she just knew. And then right when you think you had it, because you'd measure everything out of her hand into the measuring cup, and then she'd take a pinch of something else and throw it in. And she'd be, they always called her, you know, Ma, Ma, how much is that? Just this much. (laughs) What does that even mean? But for me, when Nona would make her chicken cutlets, and gnocchi, oh, unbelievable. The, the sauce was the perfect blend of tomato and meat. And she mixed in pork and beef. And you couldn't, you, I'm telling you, Dregs, this question gets a hat, gets submerged. A hundred percent. It is, it is, food is the connector to a lot of things. That just brings me back to 
to going up to Nona's little house that she lived in one house. When they came to North America, her and her husband, my Nono, who I never met, they bought this house. She lived in that house from the day she came to Canada till the day she died. Wow. 70 years. Oh, what a story. I'm so happy. I just got a chance to talk about her. I'm kind of That's fantastic. getting a little emotional thinking about her. She was we an amazing. We to send Joey B a couple of hats. Oh, amazing, <laughs> amazing woman and gnocchi and chicken cutlets. Absolutely. Beautiful. All right. Joey B gets a hat. Uh, yeah. Jason probably right. The most memorable playoff sure. moment. Yep. Deserves a hat. All right. There you go. Couple of hats. Compliments of Botano.ca and the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast. All right. We got to get going because you're on a limited time schedule here. You're, you're, you, you're in, under the crunch because you've got some family stuff to look after. You're finally home. Little golf, maybe, right? Little well, golf. We had a tea time today. Very disappointed in whoever's in charge of the weather today. Not uh, going to be possible. But uh, uh, like it's raining that hard. You, do, you yeah. don't want to put the rain suit on and just. I got to say, Dregs, I'm a little bit of a fair weather golfer. So am I. Yeah. Like, I don't, uh, and uh, we will, I think, land in its home or and I'm home at the same time. So we'll probably go hit some balls and there's like a heated or like a root, a covered driving range. So we'll probably go, probably go there and, you know, just to hang out and stuff. But big weekend of soccer. Nice. And so we're, uh, we'll be watching the boys. Reese has two games Saturday. Riley's got his game Sunday. And then. Monday, I'm back on the bird. Yeah, this is big boy soccer too, right? Like this isn't, you know, and again, they've always played a high level of soccer, but there's a considerable difference in watching a five, six, seven-year-old kind of dart around the pitch to what you're watching now and how hard they kick the ball and everything else. Well, what I found and I've learned is I had no idea how physical soccer is. Mm -hmm. I, I know we, in North America, we look at a lot of, you know, in the World Cup, guys diving around and stuff like that. But yeah. when you watch the, the demand on the players, and like I'm Riley's 16, and it's it's soccer, soccer. Like it is love it physical and and it's fun to watch him play. And Reese is just starting to get to that age too, so it's it's really fun. We we love watching our boys do what they do. And yeah. there's my one point for last point to make: go and watch your kid play and enjoy what they're doing. Like enjoy that they love it, that they're doing the best they can. I just love watching them, the joy they get out of doing their thing. I just, I love it. I love it. And I, I'm so happy I'm home this weekend to watch it. Yeah. Sounds like a great weekend. And, uh, what do you got going? What do you got going? Yeah. You know what? Well, the two day break with the Leafs and the Florida Panthers gives me a bit of a reprieve. So supposed to play golf tomorrow being Saturday morning. And then the kitchen renovation is wrapping up today. So you know what that's like? We got to go get new dishes and things like that. Well, yeah, because you can't put the old dishes back in the new cabinet strikes. Of course not. Let's not be silly. No, no. So that's my weekend. Looking forward to it. Just a bit. As as the great Will Ferrell said, big day or big weekend, you know, Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we have much time beyond that. Although Bed Bath & Beyond is now gone. (laughs) But Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond, it's going to be a big weekend. Yeah, big weekend. All right, buddy. Well, enjoy every minute of it, and we'll check in again next week. You betcha, Drakes. Thanks, uh, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, enjoy the weekend, and we'll we'll see where we sit in these series on uh, at the beginning of next week. Yes, thank you to all who make the pod possible. Our title sponsors, good friends at Canadian Club Whiskey, who ask, are you over beer? By Botano.ca, it is available in Ontario. 
The game starts now, says Batano. Thanks to Tim Hortons. And check out Tim's NHL Hockey Challenge. It is back for the Stanley Cup playoffs. And by doer, use code RNDPants, and you will save 15% off everything at doer.ca. That's episode 62 of the Rain Dregs podcast. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll check back with episode 63 early next week. Thank you.